Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everybody to the Republic of Football. We're back. After a little bit of a hiatus, we are back. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And we got Ish Johnson over here. Ish, how you doing? Hey, what's up, man? It's good to be back. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little while. I, I figured, you know, magazine season's so busy for us. Right. And there's not a whole lot going on, which doesn't help either, you know, through yeah. sort of April and May. Uh, but, you know, the cover is out for the Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Obviously, if you haven't seen the covers yet, Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger graces the 60th edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Summer Edition. We do have to, I guess, clarify that because, right. you know, we've had a couple different uh, issues. And, and of course, this is Sam's second time on the cover. The first time, of course, being a couple of years ago, 2016, when he and Todd Dodge were on the cover the year that Cliff Kingsbury and Patrick Mahomes were on the main cover. But, uh, and there's only been a couple of people ever to be on the cover of Dave Campbell's text football multiple times. Uh, you know, and, and it does make it a little confusing that we have the gatefold, that we have the main cover. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're counting both the main and gatefold covers, what it's R.C. Slocum's been on it, uh, Daryl Royal was on it, mm-hmm. Cliff's been on it right. a bunch Cliff of seems, times. It seems to be like Cliff, five. <laughs> Cliff is the most Texan uh, football person of, uh, of all time, apparently. Right. Uh, who else was on it? Somebody else was on it. Colt. Colt, Colt was on it multiple mm-hmm. times, and I think that might be the list. That might be it. Yeah. It, yeah. So it's a very exclusive on of course to be able to to do that multiple times um but you know and and we can get started actually with Mm -hmm. that I I really think that this cover was a little bit of a no-brainer sure just in terms of or or at least I think that there was a very safe option always right you know and and that's a good way to put it yeah and just to you know take you behind the scenes a little bit Mm -hmm. listeners uh you know it, it wasn't necessarily our first thing that we thought of you know sure. we had some ideas mm-hmm. uh you know definitely the the north shore uh duncanville cover that ended up being the gateful cover was mm-hmm. one that we really came to very early just mm-hmm. because being the 6a classification being the biggest game of the year being a game that really went viral across the country right because and of being the a game that has a lot of replay value right as far yeah. as like uh not only looking back but looking forward to a potential rematch everybody's back it features some of the best prospects in the country, not even the state. Uh, like I said, returning for the 2020 se- or 2019 uh, season, becoming 2020 graduates. It, yeah, there's a it, that one was probably almost cemented pretty early. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and <laughs> funnily enough, the same day that we released the cover, mm-hmm. Jaquindon Jackson, the quarterback at Dunkville, yeah. goes and commits to Texas too. Yeah, so yeah. we kind of have two Texas guys on the cover. Actually, yep. funnily enough, and <laughs> and obviously, you know. We try to tune out sort of what everybody's saying after sure, we release sure. the cover. But, right. you know, one of the credi- criticisms was, of course, you're putting the quarterback from Texas on the cover. Right. Of course, you know, you're just putting some player. And it is funny to think about. It's been 10 years since a player from the University of Texas was on the cover. Yeah. And for good reason, obviously. Mm-hmm. But coming back into this year, Texas won 10 games. The, the most wins of any team in the FBS this season in mm-hmm. the state of Texas. Uh, their quarterback, obviously, twenty-five, uh, more than 25 touchdowns passing, more than 15 on the ground. Every other player to accomplish that goal has eventually won the Heisman Trophy. Right. You know, I, That's the, the list- thing. Like, looking, at, looking at his rushing numbers, right? I was right. starting to look at quarterbacks, like you mentioned, uh, 15 or more rushing touchdowns. Right. And I was starting to look, and you're getting in, uh, like the only names that are ahead of him Tebow, Manziel, uh, Lamar Jackson, Mariota, 
Um, I think the only there's only two non Heisman winners. I think it was Colin Klein, and I'm forgetting the other name. There's one more I'm forgetting that I'll probably oh Greg Ward. Oh Greg Greg Ward, Ward was up there. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. that was it. But then but then you still look at Greg Ward and Colin Klein, still arguably two of the best quarterbacks in those respective schools' <laughs> histories. Right. Like so. Well, and Klein. Was right in line to win the Heisman Trophy before yeah. uh, before you know Baylor ended his right. season basically. Exactly. So. And and Greg Ward, you're talking about a group of five quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. you know when you're looking at that list of players who have accomplished what he did, and you know there's context around it. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know we we don't have to pretend that right this very second Sam Ellinger is Tim Tebow. Right. We don't have to pretend that he's Vince Young tomorrow, mm-hmm. but. He's accomplished a statistical goal that means that he will be a contender for the Heisman Trophy next season. Mm-hmm. He, he just will. <laughs> and just, I'm just going to take a quick look at these voting odds right now. Yeah. Early, early, oh, he's real early high. Vegas odds. I'm going to just look right now. You can keep vamping. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and when you look at Texas, Texas, again, coming off a 10-win season, coming off of a win in the Sugar Bowl, and if, if they lose that game, I think that we're having a different discussion. Sure. You know, if they go 9-4, and four, if they lose that game, or 9-5, and five, sorry, uh, because of – uh, the Big 12 title game, mm-hmm. I think we're having a little bit of a different discussion. And I will say, you know, again, pulling the curtain back a little bit, there was a lot of push for Mason Finan or Texas. But right. the way that they finished the year, the way that he got hurt, the way that they kind of ended with a thud mm-hmm. instead of uh, on a high, that definitely played a part, unfortunately. Uh, Derek King, another name that sort of came up. But the issue is you come in with a new coaching staff, of course, so you don't necessarily know what exactly it's going to look like next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever you want to say about, uh, you know, Derek King is clearly one of the 10 to 15 best quarterbacks in America, probably top 10, I, right. I'd, I'd argue. Yeah. Um, but you do have to adjust for the fact that his numbers came in a system that's very conducive to numbers. Mm-hmm. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's context. Las Vegas and, odds, by the way, 20 to 1. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Uh, that's a legitimate show. In, in, in May – Oh, uh, yeah. May, June. That's well, and, and where does he rank on the list? Uh, he Let's see. So favorites, obviously, Trevor. Or no. Hold on. Let me see. It's a opposite order. Sorry. Yeah. So the favorite is Tua, actually. Okay. Five to two. Okay. Seven to two, Trevor Lawrence. Sure. Eight to one, Jalen Hurts. Okay. Uh, eight to one, Justin Fields, which is interesting. Uh, People are eight real to one, high on him. I'm eight to one, Adrian it. Martinez. They're taking a lot with those two. Oh, um, Jake Fromm, 20 to one. Yeah. Uh, Sam Ellinger and... So he's just he's tied with Jake Fromm and he's just ahead of Justin Herbert. Okay, but yeah, those field, that Fields and Martinez, I would I would bump those guys. Down. That's that. you're you're asking a lot of those two. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. I, I mean Fields obviously was the number one recruit in America. Sure, but it's like you're asking him to really just flash everything that he he supposedly had in one season of finally of coming through as a starter. Well, you look at what Dwayne Haskins did last year. Right, you're saying he's going to accomplish more than Dwayne Haskins right. next year yeah. with. A coach that is not Urban Meyer. Exactly. Yeah. It's a lot to ask for any quarterback, no matter how good you are. And then Adrian Martinez. He put up good numbers, but it's like he had man, a great you're, you're asking year. the whole team to really rise up. Like <laughs> they're not they're not given like he has no shot if they win eight games. Right. Like, it, they gotta he, win 11, 10, 11, 12. <laughs> he he was objectively very good last year. He yeah. objectively has a great chance over the next three years to right. be a Heisman finalist. Right. It doesn't have to be year two. No. <laughs> I, really I, I, I would absolutely bump uh, Ellinger into that. If those guys are eight to one, I would say Ellinger is definitely in that single digits to one odds. Right, right. And we do have to take into account that Texas loses a lot. Sure. Um, there's a good more is going to be on his shoulders this year, right? Yeah. And and there's a good chance. I mean, a really good chance, I'd say, that they don't necessarily build a whole lot on last year just because of the attrition. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that 
they won't maybe by the end of the season be a better team. Right. But record wise, uh, you know, I think that they're still maybe going to be second to Oklahoma in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tangible steps that you maybe see in terms of big picture won't necessarily be there. It'll be about how they adjust in the little things, and right. I think that Ellinger is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and. And, yeah, I mean, you lose little Jordan Humphrey, who was a, a huge safety blanket, obviously, for this offense. You lose your top rusher in Trey Watson. You lose your uh, one of your top offensive linemen, uh, obviously, in Calvin Anderson. You lose Patrick Vahe, who has been a, a mainstay on the line. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to replace, and that doesn't even count the defense, right. <laughs> where almost every major playmaker is gone. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an interesting battle, I think, for Ellinger, because if Texas does even win 10 games again next year, he should be in New York. Right. He really should be. And, like, you look at every successful season Texas has had. They've always had a good, a great quarterback. Oh, absolutely. It's not, it's, it's sometimes when they've had, you know, they had, like, placeholder quarterbacks or quarter, transition quarterbacks, sure. quarterbacks that didn't pan out. They might have been okay, right? Like, you look at the Case McCoy years where it's like, he was fine. They muddled around bowl eligibility. But if Texas is great, they always have a great quarterback. There's never been that... You know they've never had a Greg McElroy, right? Lead right. them to a lead them to a, a big big championship season. They never had an really an AJ McCarron. That's been, no. it's always been a Vince Young, a Colt McCoy to an extent, to a Chris Sims. Even when he was good, when he had his, uh, uh, his I believe his sophomore junior year when he really right. broke out. Right, right, right. Um, they've always had that quarterback. Even if you want to go back to a James Streets. Right, exactly. It's always been an absolute stud <laughs> that's led this team. Um, and and not to say that they've carried those teams, but like they've had, it's always coincided, right? With For sure. a, with a, a, a legendary quarterback. So and look, saying that Sam Ellinger is going to be a legendary quarterback is a big projection, of right. course. And and really, I was very careful in the story because I, I did write the feature for this mm-hmm. to not try to make that declaration because yeah. you know there was talk when we decided to put Ellinger and Texas on the cover. Oh, should we project them to kind of win the Big Twelve? Right, because that correlates back to ten years ago with Colt McCoy. Of course, right. That was our—I believe—that's our only declaration as a magazine right. was te- Colt McCoy will lead Texas to the national championship. And I'll tell you what: if we were confident that Texas was going to be a national title contender this year, mm-hmm. then that would have been an easy way yeah. to make reference to the cover from ten years ago, mm-hmm. right? If we thought that Sam Ellinger was a surefire Colt McCoy going to lead them to the national title game. Right. We would have said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would have said that. We could have easily said that. Mm-hmm. And I was very clear in the story, and I think we were very clear in the magazine not to make that declaration, even if Texas does start as a top 10 team, even though if they beat LSU, I think they immediately are a, a playoff candidate. Sure, sure. Uh, it, even even if you if you beat LSU and you finish 11-1 and lose to Oklahoma and lose the Big 12 title game, I still think you're a contender mm-hmm. just because of how good LSU is, first of all, and second of all, how good I think Texas will be. And I think they should be in a tier with Oklahoma by themselves. Right. So, again, I there were a lot of other people that we considered, a lot of other directions that we really could have gone in, mm-hmm. and even some other directions that we would have really liked to go in some ways. Sure. Uh, Mary Harden-Baylor uh, yeah. was another one that we considered for the gatehold, a gatefold cover. Um, I mean, but again, j- there's so many great stories in the state of Texas. Right. And you we have can't, to pick- there, there are There is really, this year there was one, right? We, right? we could have said, oh, there's two options, there's two chances to nail it. Really, there was one. Duncanville North Shore were going on one. Right. Right. They were going on that gatefold cover. And so there was one shot to encapsulate arguably to what we consider the biggest story in the state this year. Sure. And so like last year there was two chances, right? You had Ed Oliver and you had Jimbo Fisher. And I think 
anyone who argues that those two were the biggest stories are wrong. Like the, right, those right, two right, were right. the biggest stories last year. Um, this year there were more options, but we felt this was the biggest one, and you know we're really happy with it. And the one thing that I'll say too is that everybody kind of likes to think of, from the perspective of, well, maybe you're your way. Maybe you should wait. Maybe we should have mm-hmm. this in our back pocket. But the reality is, when you wait and try to have something in your back pocket, mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't happen. Right. You know, everybody, you know, could have said. You know, Robert Griffin, you know, yeah. is an example, right? Maybe you're like, oh, well, we'll put him on a senior year. Yeah. Well, he didn't come back for his senior year. He <laughs> right. won the Heisman Trophy and left. Yeah. You know, yeah. just stories like that. And, and you know, you get lucky in some other cases. It's all about calling your shot. Like, you right. know, that, that's the confidence that you have to have on picking a story saying, we think this is going to age really well. Right. And we're going to strike while the iron's hot right now. Absolutely. So. so, anyway, we actually have an interview with Sam Mellinger that we – actually on the day of the cover shoot when we come back we'll actually talk a little bit about the cover shoot and we'll also talk about some of the other college stuff in the magazine uh you know Ishmi, uh greg uh, a couple of other contributors mm-hmm. played a huge role uh, in in putting together the college section for this issue so stick around we'll be right back we're joined now by the cover boy of dave campbell's texas football sam ellinger the quarterback at texas sam how you doing doing great absolutely great Awesome. Well, there have only been a couple people in the history of this magazine to be on the cover multiple times. Obviously, you were on the Gateful cover in 2016, right? It was 2016, 2016. I yes, sir. What does it mean to you to be one of, I think that uh, Adam was telling us that there were five or six people ever. I mean, it's incredible. Um, growing up, loving, loving the state of Texas, loving football. Um, I mean, it's just such an honor, just such a blessing to be in, the, be in this position and, and represent um, the, the University of Texas in this way and then also be on it a second time. I, I, I can't describe it. When you committed to Texas, when you arrived at Texas, it was a, a big transition, you know, just going from Coach Strong, obviously, to Coach Herman. How do you think that transition's gone, and what part do you think that you've played in it? Yeah, so I came in right when Coach Herman got here. So the first team meeting that we had was the first team meeting that anybody had ever had with Coach Herman. So um, I never really knew anything else other than his system. And as a freshman, obviously, I was competing um, with Shane, and I, I, I wasn't going to say a whole lot, didn't want to intrude anything, on because on, obviously senior leadership, they've been around, they've been through a lot. So I just kind of felt out the ropes and um, understood what the coaches were trying to instill, understand their culture and kind of what they wanted to understand, kind of um, did, did my best, obviously, was vocal um, when I needed to be and felt and tried to add a little bit. And then as, as my role continually progressed, I started to um, chime in and chime in and speak more and, and be a little bit more, more of a leader on and off the field. So um, as, as the culture was instilled throughout, throughout the program and throughout um, the team, I think that's when my leadership role kind of continued to go, to c- continue to progress as well. I think that it's fair to say from most people's perspective, not necessarily yours, but from most people's perspective, that you guys are ahead of schedule. Why do you think that you guys were able to, just in year two, already kind of have this big turnaround win 10 games? Uh, I believe it, it's truly just because of, of how well the seniors and, and, and the guys that were older, the leaders on the team, truly bought into what Coach Herman and what his staff were, were preaching because, I mean, um, Coach Herman's track record has proven to be successful, and I think the guys on the team, the leaders, the players who were really playing and understood and leading the team bought in so well and so quickly and adapted so so quickly that we, the, the, there wasn't a, as much pushback as you would normally see when, it, when, a, when a new coach comes in. So I 
think the the immediate or not I wouldn't say immediate success but a quick turnaround to where we're we're competing for conference championships in the second year of a program it ha definitely has to do with the the buy-in and and um, how well the, the guys on the team responded to what coach Herman and the staff had to say you're an Austin kid of course uh, you know you were growing up when obviously Vince Young was going winning titles when Colt McCoy was going winning big 12 titles uh, the quarterback at Texas is a special job. Uh, how meaningful is it to you to get to fulfill that role? It's unbelievable. Um, obviously, the University of Texas, just what it means to me and, and what it means to this state, it's, it's the, the institution of the state of Texas. It's the University of Texas. And um, to be the quarterback who, um, in quotations, is the leader of the team, to be able to have that role and, and come after so many great great ones who have played here, it's it's. It, it's my dream come true, and um, I, I, I couldn't ask for anything more. I'm so blessed to have this opportunity, and it, it means so much. Heading into your junior season, you still have two years left, of course. Uh, what are your goals for yourself, and what are your goals for your team over the next two years? I would say just keep, keep progressing as a team. Um, we, have, we have a lot of young guys this year, and I want to see them continue to progress on and off the field um, and, and continue to instill the culture within this system where it's um, a, a, new, a, a new player can come in and every single person on the team can instill the culture in them within a week. I want that, that to be the culture just around the facility and then on the field I think we need to continue to be competing for championships, um, playing to our standard and um, playing to Texas standard. I think that that's something we need to do is always play to our best ability and, and control what we can con control. You look at the recruiting class the last couple of years, uh, you know, with obviously uh, without getting into too many specifics, but there's obviously been a clear rise, especially in the state of Texas, just coming in and cleaning up with in-state recruits. Uh, why do you think that is, and what do you think that says about the direction of the program? I think it ha I think there's there's definitely multiple um, multiple reasons for that. I think Coach Herman and his staff are incredible recruiters. First off, um, that's very apparent with how they've how they've done done in recruiting but also just the facility upgrades and and the vision that that um that uh Del, mr del conte has as athletic director allowing coach herman to upgrade facilities and you know because everything around around the nation now is so nice and everyone's treated like treated like royalty and so the upgrade and, and all the facilities and things like that and um the vision that everybody believes and then also the players i think the players are the best recruiters that we have and we truly believe we're going in the right direction we know we're going in the right direction and we believe what the coaches have to say so i think the attitude and the belief and and then as well as the coaches being on the same page and always telling the truth and being straightforward and in, in the family culture environment around here i mean everybody loves everybody there's no separation at all i think that's very attractive to to recruits and i think think that they see the progress and that everyone also grew up seeing Texas win and, and they can see that that's, that's the direction that we're headed and they want to be a part of it. Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, congrats for being the cover boy and good luck this year. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger for joining us for a brief moment uh, to talk about being on the cover of Dave Campbell's Texas football. And Ish, you and I and, and Greg as well, we're all at this photo shoot mm -hmm. for the cover. What do you remember from that day? Oh, uh, man. I remember it was the first time I got to see the Texas, facil the Texas facilities since the, <laughs> They're since the upgrade. Nice. They're pretty nice. That's really awesome. As, as, a, uh, as someone who, when I was really young, um, I think I told you guys this, me and my, me and my mom snuck into the facilities <laughs> uh, when I was really young. Um, and and it was, I think it was just off the, off the year of the national title. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, I think so it was around 07. And I remember walking and I was like, oh, there's the, you know, there's the big 12 trophy. There's this and all that stuff. Um, going back, 
everything's upgraded. Everything looks fantastic. Everything looks modern. Like, it really shows... You really, uh, me having the before and after effect really <laughs> put into perspective how much yeah. Texas needed to upgrade with Tom Herman and when he came in and changed the locker rooms, changed all this because everything looked flashy and great. And I could absolutely see 16, 17 year olds walking in and say, Yeah, I can spend four years here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I. I was around Baylor, you know, I was covering mm-hmm. Baylor back when they did the stadium and sure. they built everything new. And it is interesting to walk into McLean Stadium and their locker rooms and their state of the art. Yeah. Texas A&M, another place where everything is state of the art. You, mm-hmm. you know, we joked about these $10,000 lockers, but a lot of other programs have stuff like this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's obviously a bigger deal because one, it's $10,000 per locker right. and two, because it's at the University of Texas. But, mm-hmm. but this is what other programs are doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, to walk in there, you know, just see sort of the aesthetic. I, I thought the aesthetic was really cool in the locker room. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. You know, just walking past the walls, obviously, and seeing all the trophies, mm-hmm. seeing all the it, – it's just it's – The layouts cool. are really nice. Like, it it, it's definitely meant to be the – project the identity of the flagship of Texas, oh, right? Yeah. And so oh, it, yeah. it really stood out that way. And, I mean, uh, we haven't even mentioned Sam yet. <laughs> I, that was the first time I'd ever interacted with Sam. Obviously, Greg had uh, – when they did the, the cover shoot when he was at Westlake – um, but man, that that's a football dude. Like that is <laughs> that is a football playing guy. First no of all, doubt. he's built like a linebacker. Yeah. Um, and he's probably put on about like thirty to forty pounds of muscle since he's oh, gotten yeah. there, at least. But he's also like talking to him. He's just a football guy. Like that's a guy who just you you know everybody's seen the photo of him as a baby, but like that's so accurate. He was born to be the quarterback of Texas. That's one thing that you know, and I've gotten to interact with him a little bit over the last two years, of course. But but getting some time one-on-one with him Mm -hmm. the the image that he projects for himself really is who he is and yeah you know there's some guys who like to sort of have that public image of Mm -hmm. you know i'm all about this i'm all about that you know i'm i'm whatever but i'll tell you what sam actually buys into this stuff he actually buys into the idea that being the quarterback at texas really really means something Mm -hmm. uh and I mean, I'm not saying that other guys don't, but he does just to another level. Right. And, uh, you know, I got to talk to uh, Texas offense coordinator Tim Beck for the story, and he, he does talk about how Sam basically, when they came in, I mean, you, you can tell right away this is a kid who grew up wanting to be here, and he takes this responsibility more serious than almost anybody. And actually, you know, one thing that's mentioned in the story is that when you talk about leadership and kind of doing whatever you can for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Beck, who's a coach at Ohio State, coached yeah. some other big programs, there were only three other guys, I want to say, that he said came to mind when it came to uh, – com- <laughs> excuse me – compared to Sam's sort of mold of leadership and willing to do anything, and mm-hmm. that's uh, JT Barrett, mm-hmm. Rex Burkhead, mm-hmm. and Mike Brown, the safety at Nebraska. Really? Those were the only three that wow. he said uh, really stacked up mm-hmm. uh, to Sam Ellinger when it came to leadership on and off the field. Yeah. So <laughs> those are some big names. And you get like you 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 get that right. You get that from talking to him. You get that from on his Twitter right complaining that there's an A <laughs> and M uh, poster in Bergstrom. We'll, but it's like we'll easily say like it's corny, right? <laughs> but it's like, corny. He believes but it. you but like that that's if you're a Texas fan, you want that. You want the Texas quarterback to be mad that Bergstrom's hanging the A and M banner in their in the airport in Austin. Like, 
I, you, yeah, like you can look at that and you can say, oh, that's really corny. But it's like, no, like that's the guy you also want representing your school. <laughs> well, and it's in, obviously in a completely different way in yeah. style. But mm-hmm. but that's what Oklahoma fans love about Baker. Right. You know, Baker took it very seriously and he wanted people to, you know, take him seriously. Yeah. He wanted people to take the program seriously. And mm-hmm. that's why they love him. Yeah. And, and Sam, again, Sam and Baker are very different people, but right. they accomplish the same thing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the best of ways, of right, course. Right. Anyway, anyway, that's 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 probably enough about uh, about Sam Ellinger. That's probably enough about yeah. the University of Texas. Sure, sure. Uh, so, ish. What, what did you write in the Mac? So you wrote obviously the Texas State preview. I did. I wrote okay. the Texas State preview, the uh, Houston Baptist preview, the Sam Houston State preview. Um, I'm probably forgetting something else. Obviously, a bunch of the high school capsules sure. as well. Um, as far as college, I think that might be it. And then I did the first um, – my other role to peel back the curtains was I did the first read on a lot of the college content yeah, as well. So. Yeah. Well, what stood out to you? Oh, man. Uh, this is the second year I did the Sam Houston State preview, and I love how candid Casey Keeler is. Yeah. He is – he might be my favorite coach to talk to in the state, if I'm being <laughs> honest, because he's so open sure. and confident. And I asked him about this season because, you know, granted they – weren't very good they were middle of the pack in the southland which is something that they're really not used to they're used to being the absolute um standards for sure yeah and he he brought it up he, he he's like look we were bad like we weren't very good we they he also said they had injuries so like they you know a lot of plans they had got uh, you know uh, they had setbacks um but they didn't do a good job at, at responding to those he said he's like you know we didn't we didn't have a very good plan b um, a lot of the auxiliary options that we had didn't pan out. Um, the offensive coordinator, Tim Cramsey, just did not have um, – they, they, it just took a while because they, they, he, he was a first-year coordinator. Or Sorry, not Tim Cramsey. Um, Tim Cramsey left to um, Marshall. I'm forgetting their new coordinator's name. But um, it was their third coordinator in three years, so yeah. they did not have a, um, a lot of time. Ryan Cardi, the new offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, they it was a new system and then injuries happened. The offensive line didn't have a lot of depth, and so they said, "Granted, they didn't do a good job of responding to that." But he also said the rest of the conference, and this is one of my favorite quotes: "Is the rest of the conference started to catch up to them?" Oh yeah, and and that's something that I think is really interesting to look at because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Incarnate Word yeah comes in and wins a share of the Southland right, <laughs> uh, and and you look at it just across the board. Abilene Christian's really building something there. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about all of this is that when you talk about uh, Sam Sam Houston kind of falling behind. SFA took a huge step back too, yeah. and and even without that, mm-hmm. just everybody else is getting so much better. You talk McNeese, you talk Nichols. Yep. It, the league is really just in such a good place right now, which when you're an established power in the conference, is sometimes bad news. Yeah, I was looking uh, in my research. I was like, you know, how competitive was the Southland? Um, so it turns out the third place team, Lamar. Yeah. And Lamar had a great year. Lamar had a great year. They made the playoff, uh, FCS playoffs. How many games separated them from the ninth place team? Oh, he- man. Uh, I'm going to guess three games. Two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half games from a third place team. It was six and three in conference, and the ninth place team was only four and five. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is a ridiculously close margin. Yeah. And... Sam Houston State was five and four, oh. and they finished one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. Oh, it's that was a it is a ridiculously close conference. Yeah, um, let's see. Yeah, four teams finished five and four, oh. and it, it yeah. So 
he was like I said, Coach Keeler was very candid about saying that everybody else saw us, saw what we were investing in the football, saw how it was benefiting us. Because you know, you, you look at Sam Houston State's under, uh, run under Keeler, you got to look at Alabama, North Dakota State, Clemson to find teams that have had better runs over the past yeah. couple, over the over this long probably five year span, however sure. long he's been there. Um, and he said teams in the conference saw that and was like, all right, we should start investing in football. So yeah. Incarnate Word goes and gets Eric Morris. Lamar goes and gets uh, uh, Coach Schultz. And they start making these huge, incredible hires. And, yeah, it's starting to pay off. And now he's like, all right, now we got to come back and maintain, right? Um, so, yeah, no, he, he was very candid about it. He had, like, a couple questions, and he managed to get all of them naturally just through the flow of the conversation. <laughs> And uh, he's he's really good. I'm really happy with how that preview turned out. And um, talking to him, he's really confident that they're going to be back. Like this yeah. was this was a one year fall off for them, and I kind of believe it because you well, have to give him the benefit Casey of the Keeler. doubt. Yeah, he's Casey <laughs> Keeler. He's going to have this offense humming again. The defense should be better. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do this year. Yeah, no, a, c- a couple on my side that stood out. So mm-hmm. I wrote nine of the twelve FBS previews plus mm-hmm. Texas Southern, Prairie View A and M, and then a bunch of the conference previews and national previews. <laughs> so. You know, one of the things that really stood out for me, well, it's hard to narrow it down. Right. Well, one that I'll mention briefly is I probably asked Gary Patterson four questions total, <laughs> and he just went yeah. uh, just in a direction. Like, uh, he, so it was funny because we were actually sitting in his office, which he has a beautiful office, mm-hmm. uh, one, one of the best that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, he has sort of a window that looks out to the, um, to the stadium, yeah. right? And they, they've been putting in new surface and new grass and all that sort of stuff. And he just kept getting distracted by the grass being installed. He just the whole time was looking out the window at the construction, like, yeah. and and was like talking and giving me stuff through that whole thing. But he probably has no idea any of the questions that I asked. Him. <laughs> right. But it was it was great, you know, because you don't get Gary Patterson in his element very often. Sure, sure. You know, he's always in football coach mode. And actually, I was talking to a, I was talking to an executive over at TCU a little while back, mm-hmm. and and said, you know. His wife loves Gary. Mm-hmm. She's not a fan of Coach Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's all funny. we ever get to see. That's so funny. it's kind of fun to see behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed my talk with Frank Wilson mm-hmm. um, over at UTSA. He, he, I think, understands a little bit better than maybe even I thought just what he's up against. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, was really candid with me mm-hmm. because, you know, especially when you get to Power 5 coaches, they're very sort of – reserved and they'll tell you too much um you know with with individual exceptions but you know frank wilson kind of was very clear about like yeah you know we sucked (laughs) you know yeah but and he's a little bit more optimistic i think about the offense than i might be at this right 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 but uh but you know he was very candid very honest about um what he felt like was facing the program you know one example is like you know i asked a couple of coaches what's the hardest thing that you didn't expect when you came to this program Mm -hmm. and Frank immediately immediately was like facilities, no, <laughs> like yeah. facilities, yeah. Like, and and yeah. they've done a good job of investing in that, and they want to be you know a premier accusive uh, program. They look at what UNT's done, and they're mm. like, why are we not that? Arguably, they were arguably closer to that than UNT was just three oh, years ago. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and you know, and and Frank Wilson coaches a style of football that takes time, regardless, mm-hmm. sure. to kind of build as opposed to 
you know, not uh, like air raid football takes a little bit less time to develop. Mm, player they, kids are playing that since middle school. Exactly, in, in exactly. Texas, so. And now, yeah. now of course, Lachance <laughs> has an amazing job. Not, right. Not, not to discount that, but right. but it's just a little bit less transition. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, speaking of UNT, loved my talk with Bodie Reeder, the offensive coordinator ah, yes. there. A new hire, thirty-two year old, super energetic. Yeah, I just bet. super I bet. energetic. <laughs> he he was moving faster than I could ask questions and like even <laughs> think awesome. of questions. That's awesome. You know, I mean, a lot of people rightfully so like to plan a lot of questions in advance mm-hmm. i like to kind of plan a couple and then see where the conversation goes sure sure and he was answering questions so fast that i couldn't even think of like that's <laughs> awesome because he was just like on top of it <laughs> yeah no he's 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 really cool speaking of uh speaking of coordinators uh for my texas state preview getting yeah. to talk to um uh, bob stitt yeah that was interesting because Here's a guy who's always been referenced tangentially by yeah. other coaches. Dana Holgerson For mentions sure. him, and of, uh, of course, when Mike Gundy, was, yeah, Mike Gundy, um, and he was finally an analyst last year for Oklahoma State. Yeah, but he'd never gotten his shot at the FBS level, sure, in a real strict capacity, uh, a real defined role. And talking to him just about, you know, it was more scrum interviews, so it was it was, it was still fairly candid considering the environment. Um, but just coming off of spring, like you can tell this is a guy who's like, oh, now this is my chance to show yeah. that not only what these guys have been referencing is legit, but also to prove that, you know, I'm not just full of it. Right. Like I can right. coach football. Right. This is a guy who's gotten it done at other levels. But now it's like, OK, now here's his chance to show what he can do. And uh, I asked Spavit all about the mentality behind that hire, because typically when an offensive mind or a defensive mind takes over, you hire – you're more in charge of that side of the offense. You maybe hire an understudy of some sort uh, to work as that coordinator, For but sure. then you hire the experience on the other side of the ball, right? Spavadol kind of did the opposite. He hired his yeah. brother, who's never been a coordinator for defense, and he has full autonomy of the defense. But then he also hired uh, Bob Stitt, who has ba- almost autonomy of the offense. Like yeah. he's going to be work- they're going to be working in collaboration. But it isn't quote unquote Spavadol's offense. He said this is Bob Stitt's offense. Right. And so that was one of the interesting things of that uh, talking to those guys about because you think Spavadol, oh, they're just going to run the air raid. Yeah. Not really. They're going to run Bob Stitt's offense. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see. It is. It is interesting because I I was at his intro press conference at, mm-hmm. when you talk about Spavadol, and he kind of was like. I'll probably call plays right. unless I can really get somebody who I believe in and trust. Mm-hmm. And he found that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he found Bob Stitt calling this offense is going to be a lot of fun. For, like I said, for those of you that, that don't know, Bob Stitt probably quite literally invented uh, the fly sweep, the fly sweep right. which is now a staple of any, anyone uh, right. of anyone's uh, offense. So it's it's going to be fun to watch uh, that become an integral part of this offense and just to see what other wrinkles he has because. It's been a couple of years since he's been, you know, uh, a play caller. So right. who knows what else he's learned coaching under Mike Gundy and all this right. stuff now. Well, and and I believe it was the 2011 West Virginia Orange Bowl. Yes, uh, what was Beat the down. game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's when Bob Sitt became a name. Yep. Uh, because and he wasn't coaching in the game to be clear. Right. But uh, it was Dana Holgerson's team. This was their last year in the Big East. I believe they were playing Clemson, Clemson. at the time. Um, and they basically just ran the fly sweep, and Clemson had no idea what to they do. They beat them seventy to thirty-three. <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea how to stop this right, play. Right, right, and and that's really when uh, Stitt started to become a big-time name and become a big-time commodity in college football. And yeah. he later got the job at Montana and did all right, but mm-hmm. didn't maybe reach expectations. Sure. But 
now he's just in charge of the offense. He's not in charge of a program. And in a lot of ways, uh, getting to do that and just be in charge of one part of it. I mean, that's that's one thing I wanted for Cliff Kingsbury, right? Yeah. I wanted him to just be able to control one thing. And at least in the NFL, he doesn't have to be in charge of player to, uh, of players and um, you know acquisition and all that sort of stuff. Right, right. And, and even development to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can kind of coach football primarily. But, uh, but you know, I, I'm curious to see what Stitt does in that role. Well, let's finish with this. Obviously, there is a year until we're thinking about the next issue, right? Mm-hmm. And and so much can change. And, I mean, if you had said heading into this year that Sam Ellinger was going to be on the cover, mm-hmm. I don't know if we would have believed you. Right. Right now, Ooh. if you had to pick who's going to be on the cover of 2020 Dave Campbell's Texas football, who would it be? <sighs> God, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I can go first. Go, yeah. If you have one in mind, go first. So, a lot of things have to go right for mm-hmm. this to be the case. I think I know where you're going, but go yeah. ahead. But looking at their schedule, looking at this player's development, looking at this program's development, I think a dark horse for the 2020 cover is Baylor quarterback Charlie Brewer. <sighs> I think, yeah. I might, I might even bump him up above Dark Horse. He like it, it, a lot has to go right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But if that does, if it does go right, I have a hard time being believing he's a Dark Horse. He might be a front one of one of the front runners. Right. Well, <clears throat> here, here's the thing: is that Baylor obviously in 2017 was not as bad as one in eleven. All right. Baylor in 2018 was probably a little better than six and six. Mm-hmm. You know, if they do a couple of things right. Mm-hmm. And you head into 2019. Their only trips outside of the state of Texas are a road game against Oklahoma State, which I think is probably a loss. Sure. Two road games to Kansas. Uh, so Kansas and Kansas State, they both play on the road, mm-hmm. which easy enough. Mm-hmm. You get Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma all at home. You do go to TCU, and I think that's going to be a pretty pivotal, pivotal game. Mm-hmm. But there's really no reason that this team shouldn't win eight or nine games. You know, if you can steal yeah. one somewhere... It's a really favorable schedule. Right. And if you can steal one somewhere, you can afford a loss to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You know, you can afford losses to even both of Texas and Oklahoma. But if you can beat Iowa State, if you can beat, uh, you know... If you can manage to find a way to, to beat TCU on the road, I think that's going to be a tough game still. Right. But even if they lose that game, <clears throat> that's potentially 9-4. and four. Yeah. And you look at sort of the rest of the sport. I mean, I think that... Getting a second year on the cover in a row is always tough. Sure. I, I think you basically have to be a national title caliber team mm-hmm. and, and be a proven national title right. caliber team. And granted, not out of the question right now. No, no, for, absolutely for not. This, for this Texas team. Absolutely for, not. you know, A&M maybe if we think going into next year for or sure. something. For sure. Something and, and that's there. the thing. Well, mm. and A&M is, is an interesting one, too, because obviously they're always going to be a candidate sure. because they're A&M in Texas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with A&M. They have just such a hard schedule that eight and four would be a successful season, right? And and the thing would be like, could we project them to turn that eight and four into an eleven and zero, right, could. or eleven and one or whatever it would be in the next year? We definitely right? could. Yeah. It depends how they compete. Right. I, I think that for us to feel good about that, they have to beat LSU again on the road. Sure. Uh, sure. But first, even kind of think about that. Yeah. Um, you know, Tech still kind of early in their development. TCU is always going to be sort of that dark horse team because. Mm-hmm. They're, they have such a good program. Sure. But I'm a little afraid of TCU next year. I, I am too. I, I'm a little worried. I think we all are. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and, and I think, to be clear, that's not a 
three and nine or anything like right, that. But, right. you know, that, that's a, hey, maybe they're winning eight wins. You know, maybe they're not winning ten. Right. Which is, I think. Their standard kind of. <laughs> right. Um, uh, you know, for me. Yeah. I would I would take a little bit of your Charlie Brewer hype. I would, sure. I would say there there's some buzz behind Baylor. I think there should be. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of things have to go right. In that same vein, though, a lot of things have to go right. But I wouldn't count on Alan Bowman. Yeah. I think Al, if 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 Matt Wells comes out and they win eight games, mm-hmm. and Alan Bowman. Throws for 4,000 yards, yards, continues the projection he was on last year. And the narrative of, hey, Tech switched it up, and guess what? It didn't matter. Bowman kept it going. Right. That's something impressive, and I think he should – I think he – Again, we're everything – literally everything with the cover involves in things going right. Sure, sure. um, I'd say them – I'd say I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a gradual case. I'm gonna make a case for Kellen Mond. Yeah. If A and M does win eight games and looks favorable in those games, um, I'm gonna make a case for the Texas secondary. Yeah. Because that that's be something that's that's something that's gonna be discussed if this group of young, highly recruited, talented players continues to make this trajection and they don't fall off like they did last year because they they really fell off towards the end of the last year. I'm, but, I'm gonna make another much more dark horse case. Uh huh. Shane Bouchel. Ooh, that is a really, but I, I like it. So here's the thing, right? Yeah. It's easy to forget. Yeah. SMU was two games away from playing in the AAC title game last year. Mm-hmm. And I feel fairly confident that mm-hmm. Shane Bouchel is a more consistent quarterback than the play that they got last year. Sure. And I think fits what Sonny Dykes wants to do this upcoming season. Sure. Now, the thing that does hurt heading into 2020 mm-hmm. is that you do lose James Prochet. Mm-hmm. You do lose Richard Moore. Uh, you do lose Rodney Clemens. Mm-hmm. So projecting might be hard. Mm-hmm. But if Shane Bouchelle goes in, throws for 3,500 yards. And, and remember, Mackenzie Milton is out right. for the 2019 right. season. Say he gets first team all AAC or something. Right, right, right. And let's say they will go 8-4. and four. Right. Now, 8-4, and four, maybe that's not enough to, to really compete for the cover. Right. But I think that it's going to be enough to get some attention, and I don't. I, I think that you know, in our we have uh, our national writers poll mm-hmm. that we do, and one of the questions that we ask, and this will be in the magazine, of course. One of the questions that we ask is, what story will happen in 2019 that nobody's talking about? Mm-hmm. And my answer was, I think SMU is going to be better than people think. Yeah, because they should have been last year. Sure, they should have won seven games last year, yeah. much less six. Mm-hmm. You know, and they finished at five because of some really young rookie mistakes and a really bad start to the season. Yeah. 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 And so now, um, and, and for a lot of reasons, but especially that one, you know, SMU UNT is going to be a really interesting game for me next year, just mm-hmm. to see what both of those programs will be, you mm-hmm. know, because I mean, SMU should win that game, mm-hmm. but UNT is at a great place right now. So if, if SMU comes out and wins that game convincingly, I think that's a great start. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, again, I, I think that Memphis to me right now, if it's not UCF, it's Memphis is the favorite sure. in the AAC. I think Houston, there might be I, – I just want to call them growing pains. I'm not going to call them anything more than that. Mm-hmm. But I think there might be growing pains just because you're bringing in two totally different systems. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, a lot of people <laughs> did get on us for Derek King not being on the cover, which Derek King's awesome. But yeah. it's like he was hurt, so yeah. Yeah, he's coming back from injury. Um, you know, Kendall Bryles, whatever you want to say about him – he knows how to produce quarterbacks with gaudy numbers, mm-hmm. and he's gone. 
Right, and he's gone. <clears throat> and granted, I think that Derek King might be better this year than mm-hmm. he was last year, and the numbers just still not be as good. Yeah, and which I think is something that you at least have to take into account. Sure. Um, you know, but but let's say that Houston has some growing pains, right? Well, SMU can kind of push their way into that group at least, yeah. right? You know, I mean, because there isn't. I think that they're better in USF potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that they're potentially better than uh, Cincinnati's tough. I think that Cincinnati's a, a step above. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think that they can be as good as Temple. Mm-hmm. I think they can be better it's, on Tulane. Yeah, it's not out of the question to see them in the top b- b- competing for this conference. Right. It's not out of right. the realm of possibility. And that's that's all I think you need them to do. Yeah. You know, I, you don't need them to win because winning the conference. I, again, I think that right now, heading into the year, if it's not UCF, which mm-hmm. just because of uh, Mackenzie Milton's injury, that might be tough. Yeah. I think that Memphis and Cincinnati are the two favorites right mm-hmm. now. But if you can be in the top sort of four to five and Bouchelle have a great season and be just a clear upgrade mm-hmm. on, on what they had last year, I don't think it's out of the question. Sure. I, I don't think it's likely, to be clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, d- I wouldn't consider it one of my main favorites. But I, I think that you know it's been a long time since Sesame has been on the cover, too, You know, because he was on the cover last year, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's always going to be hard for a group of five team to be on the cover, just in general, because everything has to go right. Yeah. But uh, I think that he's somebody who could at least contend for it if some things break right. I agree. <laughs> anyway, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We're glad to be back. Good to be back. If you have not yet gotten a subscription, go to textfootball.com slash subscribe. And, and here's, here's the deal with the subscription, right? So first of all, you, you get your magazine early now. Hurry and do it uh, because we're kind of reaching the end of that period where we're going to be able to guarantee that you get it early. But right. you should still get it early. You'll, you'll get it mailed right to your house. It's only nineteen ninety five plus shipping and handling for the first year, which, by the way, the magazine is what? Eleven ninety five, something like that retail, yeah. Yeah, so so you're talking about basically it being the price, and on top of that, you get our recruiting winter magazine. Yes. recruiting magazine also mailed to your house early, and you get access to all of our exclusive online content that's uh, that's behind a paywall. And again, it's nineteen ninety five for the year. You, you talk about some of these sites. I mean, you're talking at least four or five dollars a month. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're talking about sixty seventy dollars a year. Mm-hmm. We're giving this all to you for nineteen ninety five plus shipping and handling. And for the a first lot of them don't, a lot of those websites don't have a hard copy magazine. They're happy to send you. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. And and I'll tell you what. I mean, not to try to pimp us out too much, but but right, like, go for it. <laughs> it's our show. <laughs> well, I mean, we have Greg Powers. Yeah, I yeah, mean, Greg Powers about, doing recruiting work, man. Yeah, you, you you guys have got to see what we're doing with our recruiting site too. It's it's different, which mm-hmm. is something that I like. Right. We're not necessarily writing as many stories on, um, you know. This person said, I liked my visits. You right. Know, that's yeah, not, exactly. That's, it's not that it's fine, but cool. cool. You know, other sites can do that. You know, the thing that Greg Powers has is he is a legit, legit scout. Yeah. You know, he he and also the team over at Next Level Athletes, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of a scouting program. They scout these guys better than almost anybody. And so you go to our scouting profiles, and we have a lot more information about them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the fun things that we have that I really think is going to get stolen from us is we have these badges on their profiles. Yeah. So if you go to, uh, you know. If you're, fami- if you're familiar with uh, uh, 2K or Madden, yeah. like, they have these attribute badges where it's like, uh quick feet or you know like in <laughs> right. 2k it's like quick handles or something sure. like all that stuff we have something similar for every prospect and right greg powers takes pride in correctly assigning those to certain prospects oh yeah for sure for sure so 
I think that we really do it different. And the other thing too is that, you know, we're we're not just focusing on Texas and Texas A and M when it comes to recruiting. You know, yeah. we've got UNT coverage, we've got Houston coverage, we've got all of the above. You know, so I, I think that we're doing something really fun with that, and a lot of that's behind the paywall. We've obviously got a lot of high school content behind the paywall. Mm-hmm. We're going to be pushing a little bit more towards that to, on the college side too. But, um, but you know, again, it's it's twenty dollars for the year, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you get the magazine. So, anyway, that's probably enough about that. But uh, but you can always find all of our work at textfootball.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on uh, I on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can follow follow us on Instagram at Dave Campbell's. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Text Football. Ish, anything else? Uh, I think that's all the plugs. All right. Well, yeah. hey, our magazine's coming out in the next couple of weeks. If you don't subscribe, you can get the magazine on newsstands starting the first week of July. It's coming out. It's coming up. It's a it's a relief, obviously, to kind of have that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of late nights in this office where we're putting together this magazine. Uh, so it's a labor of love, and we're looking forward to everybody reading it. But for Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan J. Raja. Thanks again to our sponsor, Nortex Honda Dealers, and we will see you all again next week. <laughs>